This is the Benson Gregory Podcast. Thank you for listening. If you like what you hear, please be sure to like, subscribe, and share. Your support means a lot. Now, here's your host. Hi, I am Benson Gregory. We have a very special guest on today to talk about a topic that is near and dear to my heart. Our guest today is Dr. Joni DeBrito. Doctor, thank you so much for joining us today. You're welcome. Thanks so much for having me. We are talking about gratefulness, thankfulness. We're in the thankful season. Should it always be the thankful season, though? I mean, if we're being honest, we should always be thankful for what we have. But we put an extra we emphasis. We really should. The extra emphasis yes, goes around absolutely. this time of year with the holidays and everything. Because <laughs> you know, we have an official holiday mm-hmm. here in the U.S. That, that tells us we're supposed to be thankful. Mm-hmm. But uh, it, it's also kind of neat that it... it, it I think it's cool that thankfulness coincides with the beginning of the holiday season in the United States, which is the beginning of winter, which a lot of people fight seasonal depression. A lot of people are fighting depression this time of year anyway, because uh, the holidays bring on an extra load for people who have lost family members or are struggling uh, with uh, some sort of a, a dynamic within the family. Or for whatever reason, it, it can be kind of a minefield for emotions this time of year. And thankfulness is almost a life hack. Gratefulness is a life hack, if you will, for kind of helping clear some of that up. Is that what I'm understanding? That's correct. Uh, obviously, there are a lot of different things that can cause suffering for us as human beings. And the first thing that we have to do is be honest with ourselves that if we're going through a time where we've experienced significant loss, we're grieving, whatever, give yourself permission to grieve for sure. Um, because if you don't, it will come out in other places later on. But you need to be able to, to grieve, to cry, to to express yourself, etc., and feel that loss. However, what we find is that as people do that, that they will often naturally then begin to look at the positive in a negative situation. So maybe they've lost a loved one and for a while they're just grieving. They're really feeling the loss of that person and and finding difficulty. And then little by little, you'll hear them say things like, you know, as hard as this is, I'm grateful that my loved one is no longer suffering because she was very ill for a long time, that sort of thing. And that gratitude and that switch from suffering to really being grateful for maybe the fact that you had that person in your life or that they were able to end their suffering or anything else that might be positive about that circumstance tends to help you to actually get through that those depressive feelings. Let's touch on uh, that just a little bit, which we didn't really plan for, but I think it's relevant. Um, The whole process of grieving, a lot of times we try and skip through that or we try and skip over it. Mm -hmm. And my pastor recently did Mm -hmm. a a, a sermon uh, where he was talking a little bit about grieving and how important grieving is that when you experience any kind of loss in your life, whether it's even a good loss, like, you know, a, a child going off to college. Or it's, you know, Mm -hmm. you're changing Mm -hmm. jobs uh, and you're you're getting a better job. You still, to some degree, need to grieve what you don't have anymore, the relationships you don't have anymore, the proximity you don't have anymore, the access to whatever that you don't have anymore. You still need to grieve that to a certain degree. And we don't talk about that as Americans. Is is grieving and gratefulness tied together necessarily? Very much so. Just, you know, that's what I was uh, talking about is that you, as you grieve, you naturally 
and you allow yourself to feel the sad feelings, the negative feelings, the loss, etc., in whatever way you feel those things, you will naturally tend to come around to being able to find things that you're grateful for. But if you try to gloss over that and you just say, I'm okay, I'm fine, or um, in the tradition of my family, a certain heritage was to be very stoic. And so if someone died, it might be a beloved grandparent that had been around for many years and had a profound effect on the family. It was kind of like, okay, you can cry for two days and then you have to be over, which is crazy because, you know, if you've had a beloved family member around for 90 years and they've really made an impact on your family, you're probably not going to only need to grieve for a few days. And so that process of really remembering and thinking and feeling the loss and letting go is so important to get you to the point where then you can then start to focus on what you're grateful for about that person or regarding that loss. And there's nothing wrong probably with doing a little bit of grateful reflection all throughout the process of grieving as just a, a, a natural, let it develop naturally, right? Sure, sure. I can tell you a very, very quick little vignette. I used to work as a member of the disaster mental health team for the Red Cross, and this was not my story, but one of my colleagues was down um, in Oklahoma City um, after a large tornado there that had decimated um, a whole community, including a daycare center. And she was doing a group with the parents of children. Thankfully, there were no lives lost, but the center was lost. And of course, the the initial conversation was about the grief and the loss and the sadness, and they wanted to be able to stay together. And literally within an hour, it turned from the sadness that they had. And things don't always turn that quickly. I'm not suggesting they do. But just in this group setting, then somebody said, you know, we have an opportunity to build this and we can build, rebuild the daycare center in a way that is important to us and in a way that takes out the negative features that were there in the positive. Did anybody like that green shag carpeting? And of course, everybody started laughing about how much they hated the green shag carpeting. And so here you've got these people who come together over a loss and they're talking and they're grieving and they're expressing their sadness. And even by the end of that meeting, they were able to find something to be grateful for. We don't have to see that green shag carpeting anymore. And it's cyclical to some degree. Is that correct? Like you can have a really good day or a good moment and feel really grateful for the person and for the experiences that you had with them. And then later feel that extreme sadness, that emptiness and that loss. And that's okay, right? Definitely. That's definitely okay. It's not only okay, but it's important to allow yourself that. So not to either tell yourself, oh, no, I have to get over this because your body, your mind, your spirit will tell you when you're, it, it's time for you to move on and to be in, to kind of put that loss Uh, I don't know if it's quite behind you, but to integrate that loss more into your whole life story. And so, yes, you are going to go back and forth. And sometimes people learn about the stages of grief and think that they go through them in a linear fashion. And once they get to the end, they're done. But that's not true. Um, People go through different stages of grief at different times. And sometimes you'll feel like you have grieved a loss and you really have up to that point in your life. But then as you mature and grow, new things may trigger you remembering that loss and you may grieve again. 
And if we're talking about the death of a family member, in my personal opinion, and I'm not qualified to apply this to anybody else, but to myself, I think it's good that you maybe feel that loss again later, because that really just to me, it just shows how much value that person's life had and how much Mm -hmm. impact they Mm -hmm. had on you. So that's not a, people take it, I think, as a negative about themselves because why am I still grieving this? When really it's a positive about the person that you're grieving because of how impactful they were. Exactly, it really honors that person. I know that um, my father has been gone for um, over 30 years now. And uh, at my daughter's wedding, it was well past the time Uh, that my father had died and I had really moved on from grieving, although I still think about my dad literally pretty much on a daily basis. Many times a week I still think of my dad because he made such an impact. And we were at this wedding, this joyous occasion, and my mom came up to me, and I'm already getting choked up in my throat telling this story, and said to me, your dad would have loved this wedding. And I just lost it. Mm -hmm. And it was okay because it was true. My dad would have loved to have been at that wedding. And it made me just sad momentarily to think that he wasn't able to be there. Yeah. But again, you had obviously a great relationship with him and that was something that could Mm -hmm. be enjoyed and something that you're grateful for. So definitely let's talk about the focus on gratefulness and, and maybe, maybe it's not loss like that that somebody's dealing with. Maybe it's just, you know, life isn't working out. They're having trouble getting things together. Uh, the job situation is kind of rough. The economy is, is being wonky again or still, uh, mm-hmm. there, there's a lot going on. And since 2020, you know, my family has been through the ringer. I know a lot of people mm-hmm. have since 2020. So let's talk about just in day to day stuff. How can just the attitude of gratefulness impact your mental health and the mental health of those around you? Well, I think that it's very easy to get caught up in looking at the worst possible situation. And the truth is that usually the worst possible situation doesn't happen. Um, Very difficult things uh, happen. Just as you mentioned, my family also experienced a number of um, disappointments and losses and so forth during COVID and post-COVID and so forth and with the economy and so forth. Um, But uh, as we are going through life, it can be so difficult, especially if you are looking around, whether it be on social media or wherever, and kind of looking at what you think is going on in other people's lives. And it's that very nasty little monster of comparison where people start thinking, oh gosh, this family seems to be doing so well and ours isn't. And then you start kind of getting this Eeyore type, you know, woe is me, woe is my family, etc. And what we actually find is that when we can help people again, allow themselves to feel bad about those things, but not to get focused and stuck on them for too long and to actually practice being grateful, expressing gratitude for the gifts and the talents and the skills they have, not what they don't have right now, but what they do have. And also recognizing the strengths in the people around them and expressing gratitude to those people. And what you find is that as you start to express gratitude toward yourself and toward other people. It's the gift that keeps on giving. Because if I have something positive to you about, I'm grateful to you for X, Y, Z, you're much more likely to then say to me, and you know what? I'm grateful to you for 
whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, not like you, you, it's just a natural thing that we tend to kind of mirror one another in our communication. It's the same thing that we experience when we get caught up in an argument that your maybe your spouse says something negative. So you say something negative. You have to stop and go, wait, I'm not going to participate in this. I'm actually going to say something positive. So if you can start to think about the true things that you're grateful for and express those to yourself and also to people around you, you'll find that you'll start to be surrounded more by those positive comments and comments of thankfulness and gratefulness and and gratitude in a way that it helps boost your spirits as well. So gratefulness actually kind of attracts and builds gratefulness. Is that what you're saying? It does. Mm-hmm. It does. So it's a, it's almost a cumulative effect. You, you probably have to, in the beginning, look for it. You have to like intentionally change that mindset and say, I'm going to mm-hmm. be grateful for this today or, or whatever. Right. And I'll tell you a really neat kind of exercise that works really well for people we were talking about depression and anxiety goes along with depression. And we know that there are a lot of people who struggle with anxiety as well. And when people are anxious and I should say all of us get anxious at some point in time. So if I'm anxious, what's going on in my head is what if, what if this happens? What mm-hmm. if that happens? And it's not the good thing. It's the bad thing, right? Uh, always. It's, you're kind of thinking in terms of, uh, you know, the most catastrophic ending to something. What if this happens? And what you can do is, that's really helpful is write that down on a piece of paper. What if? And then that negative thing. And then turn the paper over and write what if and the opposite. And the more you do that exercise, the more you start actually thinking that way. So if you get in your head, oh gosh, what if I lose my job and I can never find another job for the rest of my life? That's a very catastrophic way of thinking. It's probably not going to happen that you'll never find another job. You may lose your job, but you'll, you, it's not probably not going to be that you're unemployed for the rest of your life. So you turn the paper over and you write down, what if I get the best job I could ever imagine and I have that for the rest of my life? Because the research shows is that about 85% of the things that we worry about that we say, what if never come true. So what that means is it's really more often that good things do come to us. Obviously, if we're working toward that, you don't just sit around and wait for things to happen. You have to make things happen in your life. But those catastrophic things that we worry about are very unlikely to happen in most cases. Explain to me, if you can, uh, what would be a good exercise for someone to just try try to have more positive thoughts and try mm-hmm. to have more thoughts of gratefulness how how exactly mm-hmm. would you go about doing that put 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 some make that practical for me if you could Right. Well, I think, first of all, is that one I just described, the what if, where you can do that as often as possible, then you start actually being able to incorporate that into your thinking. Okay. Would you do that in every case or would that just be in in like, I, I took that as kind of a big case scenario, like when you're spiraling on something. No, I think you can do that in every case. I, I think you can do that in every case because there are some thing, what ifs that are catastrophic and then there are what ifs that are very small. Okay. You know, what if my my child doesn't uh, doesn't get the part that she wanted in this play? Okay, that's not catastrophic. They might be disappointed, but it's not catastrophic. Whatever. Sure. Um, so you can do it in smaller things. But the other thing that I would say is that you just as you are trying to maybe exercise to keep your body in shape and take care of you know the body that you've been given. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you have to be intentional as a first step. So you have to be intentional and say, I am actually going to make a practice of trying to see the things I'm grateful for in my life and also the things I'm grateful for in other people. So maybe you tell yourself, okay, today I want to notice at least one thing in another person that I'm grateful for and tell that person, I really am grateful for your kindness toward me or whatever it happens to be. I'm grateful that I have someone to run with in the morning, whatever. Um, And the more you do that, it's just like exercising a muscle. The more you do that, the more it becomes incorporated into the way you think. So you naturally do that when you're around people. You naturally start expressing gratitude toward them, but also taking time to really think about what you're grateful for. For a lot of people, um, I know I've talked about that with clients for years, and for a lot of people, they'll say, I just can't seem to remember to do that. And so we'll talk about, okay, what is your morning routine? So if your morning routine is to get up and pray or get up and and walk or get up and, um, you know, call a friend or have breakfast, whatever it is, maybe incorporate that into your morning routine. So you start your day that way. And it is just like starting exercise. When you start exercise, it feels like a chore. It's hard to get up. It's hard to get out of bed. But pretty soon you're getting up on your own because you feel better and you feel healthier and so forth. So you do it naturally. And it's the same thing with gratitude. The more you are intentionally practicing it and taking time to say something specific every day to yourself or to someone else, the more it will start being a part of the way that you think in a regular, on a regular basis. I think it's interesting. Um, I, I forget. I think it's called preference bias or something like that, uh, where when you're looking for, say, you're purchasing a new car. And then you start uh-huh. seeing that particular car everywhere when you're out driving. And, and it's not <laughs> yes. like it's not like everybody just suddenly decided to go buy Toyota Camrys, mm-hmm. which I plug because they're mm-hmm. just up the road from us. Uh, but if, yeah. if it's something, you know, you're seeing those everywhere because you're, you're like your mind has been turned on to that. Right. So right. Does, does that work the same way you think with gratefulness? If you actually find yourself looking for things to be grateful for, you start finding them everywhere. You start finding them everywhere. You do. And the other thing that you can do that is really helpful is when you find yourself feeling negative about yourself or negative about someone else, take the extra moment to stop and think what could be positive about that. So an example would be if let's say you're around someone, let's say you work with someone who's kind of hypercritical and that's a frustrating thing to be around and it could be very easy to say just stop being so critical you're such a critical person and that may be true it may be true about that person but if you think about it you have to think about what could be positive about that well what could be positive about that is it sounds like they're invested in trying to do things well Mm -hmm. so they want things to be done well and done in a quality way so You know, even sometimes when you say to someone, I really appreciate the fact that you seem to want to do things well. I have actually done that with someone in my life who is tends to be critical. And the response was amazing because that person actually looked at me and said, nobody's ever quite put it to me that way. Most people say I'm too critical. And that was so funny because, you know, he was acknowledging that people experiencing him as critical. And I said, well, 
you are, you do tend to be, but I understand why you are. It's because you want things to be done well. And all of a sudden that was a flip for him. Mm -hmm. That was a flip for him to start thinking, okay, maybe when I'm critical, instead of saying it in a critical way, I could say something like, um, I'd really like this to be done well. Could we do it this way? Which is very different from, nope, you did it completely wrong. I want it redone. Everything is about perspective, right? It is. Sure. And, and from his perspective, he wasn't being hateful. He just wanted it really done well. And, but he wasn't communicating right. that well. And it was, it's right, awesome that you right. picked up on that and presented it back to him. I bet that probably changed, I'm sure, his working experience and probably those around you, too. Hopefully. Yeah, I think it did. Um, let's talk about all, all of the evidence that, that obviously we're, we're talking about how things are impacting your life and how you feel better and how you, as you're grateful, mm-hmm. you find more grateful things. All of that seems kind of anecdotal though. Is there any, right. any hardcore scientific, uh, data or anything? Has there been any kind of research on this that shows how this actually does affect maybe your mindset and even your health? Yes, there has been an abundance of research about gratitude because people started recognizing that there seemed to be health benefits. So they started actually doing brain science, you know, looking at brains and how brains change in terms of when people are actually exercising gratitude and not exercising. There are actually some uh, anatomical and physiological changes that happen during this process. You know, there's so much of brain scanning and looking at images of the brain brain before and after various kinds of events and so forth. We know how the brain is impacted negatively, for instance, by trauma and and abuse and that sort of thing. And we know that there are other very positive things can uh, affect the brain anatomically and physiologically in regard to um, positive aspects of, of how we experience life. And so there is an abundance of research out there about the scientific benefits of gratitude, and they include improvements in eating and sleeping, reduction in stress, reductions in blood pressure, reductions in fear and anxiety, increases in healthy exercise, increases in pain tolerance, boosts in immunity, improvements in self-confidence, decrease in depression, increases in resiliency, and many other things. Those are just the top ones. And some of that has to do with something that your audience can probably really understand and you can understand easily is we hear a lot about dopamine and how dopamine is that that uh, chemical that is released and it, it's a release that helps us feel good. And so um, we talk about that in terms of the addictive cycle that, for instance, when people are getting addicted to um, spending too much time on games or whatever, um, they're watching video games and there's some little reward and that releases dopamine and that makes them feel better and therefore it makes them want to watch video games more, which is really not very healthy. Um, And so they go down the road in a negative way. What we find is that expressing gratitude also releases dopamine. And so again, it's that gift that keeps on giving that if you express gratitude, you start to feel better. And so your mind remembers, oh, that's something that makes me feel better. And so you do it more and you continue to feel better. So there are actually enhancements in the dopamine and serotonin in our brains as we're more actively expressing gratitude and feeling grateful as well. So is it possible then uh, for gratitude to become addictive? And what a great addiction to have. (laughs) 
I think it probably could. You could look at it that way. And I would say it, it would be a great addiction. Um, now, the only thing that I would say is that what we want to avoid um, is we definitely want gratitude to be genuine. Absolutely. So we've probably always, all of us have been around some people who kind of float through life and everything is sweetness in life and, and light and, you know, everything is wonderful. And, and it's just, it's kind of nauseating to be around people like that. Not if they're sincere and people always have a very strong sensation. If this is truly a genuinely happy, joyful people, we love to be around people like that. But very often that's not the case. Very often it's more that the person thinks this is just the way that people will like me. And there, everyone feels this isn't sincere. It doesn't feel genuine to be around this person. This doesn't feel like a genuine joy. It feels kind of put on. So we want to make sure that if you're expressing gratitude to someone, it's truly coming from your heart. I truly recognize this about you and I'm grateful for that. Thank you for being this kind of person as opposed to, Oh, I love you. So, and so you're so wonderful. And you know, the kind of people that I'm talking about who kind of overdo that and they pour on the saccharine sweetness Mm-hmm. Um, people don't like to be around other people who are insincere in whatever way. And so we want to make sure that when we are expressing gratitude, it is completely sincere and genuine. That is uh, some fantastic advice. And I just, I, I love, I, I'm still, honestly, I'm, I'm a little stuck back on the list of things that you went down that the positive <laughs> health impacts that you have from being grateful and it, it's insane uh-huh. it's because it, it, it's the physical, it's the mental, it's the emotional. And to e- even right down to the structure of your brain, it, it's just fascinating mm-hmm. to me. That just blows my mind that just simply mm-hmm. being grateful can have that much of a ramification in your entire life. Like literally your whole being, yeah. right? Yes. And yet if you go down the list, um, even though it's been looked at by scientists and proven through brain science and so forth, it also makes logical sense. So you just start with improvements in eating and sleeping. Well, what tends to happen when you're feeling really negative and stressed about a lot of things? You either you know, lose your appetite and can't eat at all or you eat a lot and so you have you know, difficulty digesting, and et cetera, and then sleeping. If you're worried and you're up all night and you're only thinking about everything that can go wrong, then it is going to interfere with, with your sleeping, right? Mm-hmm. So there's the brain science that backs it up, but there's also common sense. Common sense that we know, you know, obviously, if you're not feeling negative and worried about a lot of things, you're going to feel less stressed. So, of course, there are reductions in stress. Um, increases in healthy exercise. If you are feeling good and feeling grateful and so forth, you're much more likely to say, hey, it's a beautiful day outside. I want to go out and go for a hike or go for a walk or ride my bike or whatever. And so you're increasing your healthy exercise. Whereas if you feel like woe is me and the world is an awful place, people tend to want to just kind of curl up with a blanket and sit in the corner. Um, so it makes some common sense as well. I, I, would it be weird to have a thankfulness journal? Because I know that people have like prayer journals and things like that, but just to have one that is just exclusively things that you're grateful for? No, I've actually done that for myself and I found it to be really helpful and I've in, in, uh, encouraged clients to do the same thing. And I think um, 
often when I'm talking with a client who seems to be cycling back to a negative place, I'll say, okay, either if they've done a journal or if they have just been talking more and incorporating gratitude in their life, I'll say, okay, I have a question for you. So have you been practicing your gratitude this week? And usually sheepishly they'll say, no. And I'll say, do you notice a difference in your attitude this week versus last week when you were writing in your journal? And then they kind of smile and laugh because I'll say, because I do. It sounds like you were in a, a very real place last week and you were grieving appropriately um, some of the losses, but you were also expressing gratitude. And now you seem to be kind of in a funk. And Almost always they'll say, you know what, I got out of the habit this week. I was busy or one of my kids was sick or whatever and I forgot to do it. And you're right, I, I don't feel as good. And then, and then uh, conversely, they may come back three weeks later and be in an upbeat mood, still dealing with a loss, still dealing with a struggle in their life. That's why they're in counseling. Um, and I'll say, wow, you seem better this week. And often the client will say to me, you know, I've really been trying to practice that gratitude. So I've seen the evidence. It is anecdotal, but I've seen the evidence in my practice as well. I think that is just fantastic and, and hopefully life-changing for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. For anyone so. who is uh, interested in learning more about the topic, is there a way, uh, you've written some books and some articles. Is there any way for people to find out more about you or to reach you or... You know, I will tell you that one of the things that I do intentionally for myself um, and something that I'm grateful for is that I am not on social media. Um, but there are a number of um, articles that I have written um, for Focus on the Family, and um, those can be found at focusonthefamily.com. Um, and then actually, if you look up my name, you'll find a number of podcasts that I've been on and radio programs that I've been on as well um, in talking with, uh, with folks. So most of the articles that you'd find would be at Focus, but there are a lot of other organizations that I've um, done speaking for, et cetera. I would mention too, if you have um, any... Uh, older um, uh, audience members, uh, people that might be grandparents that I do a lot of work for a program called Legacy Coalition, and I do a lot of writing and blogging and so forth for them as well. Okay. Legacy Coalition. I will find those and put links to them in our show notes. Well, Dr. Joni DeBrito has been our special guest today. Thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule to join us and talk about gratitude today. You're welcome. Thanks so much for having me. For more information on this particular program and other episodes of my show, please visit my website, BensonGregory.com. That's B-E-N-S-O-N-G-R-E-G-O-R-Y.com. Thank you for listening. This is the Benson Gregory Podcast. Your support means a lot. Be sure to like, subscribe, and share. Thank you for listening.